What's up, everybody, and welcome to episode 272 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Saturday evening, and I am joined for the second time in as many days by Eric Cole. Hello, sir. In some cultures, we'd be married, Brad. Like, it's kind of wild. Uh, I guess that's probably true. Um, if you missed it yesterday, uh, it was a much more somber episode. Uh, not even like an episode number. I guess sort of a special edition of the podcast where Eric and I talked about Don Sutton and Hank Aaron. Uh, that's still on the feed if you want to listen to it. But uh, we, we're, we were we sort of teased this yesterday, but we're going to talk about some baseball stuff today. There was a big-ish rumor earlier this week that we uh, have pledged to talk about, so we'll leave with that now. I will say this. JT Ramuto is a name of a player. He is now linked with the Braves. That's all I'll say about this for now. Robert Murray reported that it's happening on some level. There's some interest somewhere. I believe the term circling was used. What is your thought process on the prospect of of signing, I should say, not trading for, but signing Real Muto if you are the Atlanta Braves? Okay, in a vacuum, JT Real Muto is a very good, very, very good baseball player, hitter, one of the better players in the entire league. He makes the Braves better. My initial reaction was one of extreme skepticism, partially because of the position he plays whereas, and versus kind of where the Braves are at that position. I mean, look, Travis Darno is not going to be the guy that's going to block JT Real Muto from being on your roster. But, like, is that really the move they were making, they would be making? And more importantly, it just doesn't seem like the MO of – any Braves transaction to have a leak come out like that, which makes me think that this felt more like an agent leak that was trying to create more of a market for Real Muto. And maybe the Braves said, yeah, you can put our name out there or something like that because there's a relationship there and they don't mind making the Phillies pay more. Now, there's a lot of ways roster-wise to make JT Real Muto fit on your roster. Uh, and one of them is just you know to put Darno or whoever just at DH and just kind of live with whoever there. And, I mean, that makes – that look, the team is just better with him on it, right? Um, you have him a catcher. All of a sudden, you have him kind of controlling the running game. And I think that he's a kind of – he could be a middle-of-the-water bat that at least services what you want. And, you know, he's just an all-around very good player. And I think that he'd make the team better. Uh, and I think everyone should be excited about the prospect about, you know, the Braves being in on him potentially. I'm just skeptical as to how in, in on him they are. Yeah, that's basically what I think as well. And it's worth saying, you know, for a long time on this podcast, if people were listening back then, Real Muto was a topic frequently as a trade target. Uh, it, it came up for a long time. Uh, then it kind of went away because he got traded and not to the Braves. And it's been quiet ever since. Now he's a free agent. Um, he is one of the one of the best players on the market, full stop. Um, maybe the best player on the market remaining still overall. But like you said, he is a catcher. Catcher is not a weakness for the Braves right now. That goes without saying. We understand that. Um, you could certainly argue, and I might even do this, that Real Muto is good enough where if he actually is available to you at what you deem to be a reasonable cost, and that's a question that I'll also ask you in a second, what the actual reasonable cost would be, <laughs> then you just do it anyway and figure it out later. Like Darno could be moved if you needed to. Uh, he could maybe go to the outfield. One of these guys plays some outfield occasionally if they needed to do that, etc. And catcher, famously, is a position where a guy is not going to play 158 of the 162 like there's some flexibility there potentially but if you're not familiar with Real Muto a ton other than just knowing that he's good this is a guy who for the last five seasons has been like a top 25 player in baseball basically yep. over over a five season period and 
essentially the best catcher or the second best catcher, depending on how you feel about Yasmani Grandal and framing stats. Um, either 1A or 1B best catcher in the league for a half decade now. And he is getting a little bit older. He'll be 30 pretty soon, but this is an elite player. And that's not a word that I throw around cautiously. Uh, sorry, it is a word that I throw around cautiously. Uh, he is elite. He's fantastic. And the thing is, it's going to cost a lot of money. So before I throw it back to you, I'll just say this. The Phillies have reportedly offered him five years for more than $100 million total. That's a lot of money. That'd be a deal the Braves have not given out under the under the Anthopolis regime. So it would be a groundbreaking move if they made it. And like you said, the Braves don't usually leak, so it is certainly an eyebrow raiser. But now that we've said all of that, let's dive into it a little bit more here. So, Eric, before we get any further here, what is the number, if you have one in your head, where you would be okay with context aside you wake up tomorrow morning and the Braves gave Real Muto blank contract. What is the number where you would not be upset about it? Like how big of the number actually is it? So I have a reasonably high amount of confidence that the designated hitter is coming to the National League in the next collective bargaining agreement. Uh, my feelings will change about any sort of deal drastically if that is not true. Um, because again, if you, the idea of even as a guy like a guy like Real Muto as he ages because he's already hit 30, you know, the idea of being able to give him days at DH and give him some more time off, that's appealing to me, especially when you have two young catchers in Langoliers and Contreras kind of behind him, where if you need to give those guys more playing time, you have you have a guy, you have guys in place that can make a system like that work, right? What, the problem I have is the years. I think that $25 million per year is about where I'd feel okay. After that, I'd start just getting a little bit spooked just by the age the position um, catchers typically just don't age that well. Even if you stay stop paying catcher, even if they stop playing catcher, their knees were still playing catcher for the first, you know, eight, nine <laughs> seasons of their career. Uh, and that limits a lot of things about them. Um, and one of the benefits to having real Muto is being able to have him play him behind the plate because of his arm. And you, you do wonder how long he, you know, if he can stick there for that, that fourth or fifth year, you wonder a little bit. I mean, this is a very, very good baseball player. So I don't want to like overstate that. Uh, but you know, once I get once you get above twenty five million a year, maybe you do like a four year with a fi- with a fifth year option or something like that at that. So maybe like all told, maybe five years, one hundred twenty five million. That might be the absolute cap of it, of where I'd be okay. After that, I'd start being really like they better know something that I you know that they better know exactly what they're getting out of him, and because that's gonna be that's a lot of money to be outlaying on him. And one thing we haven't heard much about is what's going on with Freddie Freeman's extension. Yep. Like we've heard nothing, we've heard nothing about it, which is a financial consideration that I think matters significantly more than the idea of signing JT Real Muto. I still like the idea of like re-signing Ozuna over, you know, giving him like a three-year, maybe even a four-year deal than I would signing Real Muto. I think just because I think that overall, like where you're spending your dollars, where versus where your roster is right now, that makes the most sense to me. But make no mistake, like Ryomoto makes this team better. But there's certainly a limit, I think, in my mind as to how much that'd be willing to give them. And there should be. I mean, we are not uh, on this podcast in general afraid of giving out money, and it's not our money. Yeah. Uh, that's that's worth saying. Um, I don't know. It's the catcher thing is scary, and I agree with you. You know, you have to have some confidence that you can use the universal DH at some point in the near future, or you just cannot give out a deal like this. To, to, a catcher. A catch, to a catcher, especially when, you know, the natural position for a catcher to go to 
when they can't catch every day is first base, and you have a first baseman that is your that's your franchise guy. So, Rio Muto's playing first base during his contract. We have other problems because that means Freddie isn't right, and that's what I mean. So, going just simply put, you need to have some DH confidence. It doesn't have to be this year necessarily for Rio Muto. That would probably help things, but it's got to come into play. And if not, you can't give out five years and nine figures, I don't think, realistically, to a catcher who's going to be 30 when you sign him. Now, there's the other factor of Darno. So let's do that now. Darno is good. He was very good this season. He was a top 10 catcher in the league this season. Um, he hit the crap out of the ball. He's always been talented, sort of had a little breakout in Atlanta. One, He's only under contract for one more season, though, at $8 million. So... I agree with what you said earlier. You know, just having Darno on the roster is not enough to dissuade you from signing JT, JT Ralamuto, who is better than Darno. Oh, by a and lot. By a lot. I mean, and uh, honestly, if you knew, which you do not, if you knew Ralamuto was going to replicate last season, like going forward consistently, then we're having a different discussion. But you mm-hmm. don't you don't know that, obviously. Um, and Ralamuto, like, like, like we both have just kind of said, is an elite player. We know he's an elite player. So if you sign Ralamuto... You could trade Darno. He probably has some value. There was a little bit of buzz out there. Uh, I, I can't remember who reported it, but it was one of those logical things where uh, the reporter was basically like, if the Braves sign Real Muto, they will have suitors for Darno. And which isn't groundbreaking because he's a good player, but you certainly, that's probably plan A if it's me. If you were to sign Real Muto, and that's a big if, again, giant if, but if you're going to sign him, I think plan A would have to be in my mind to trade Darno for some for something um if you couldn't do that and couldn't get any if you could not get fair value fair value in return there is a world in which you just go in and say look we're going to now have hopefully if barring injury we're going to have 162 of elite catcher play which is something that no other team has in the league basically and then and then you fill in around that like maybe you try to if you have the dh this year those guys can play some can play some dh um, maybe you try one of those guys in left field occasionally. There's a lot of stuff you can get that you can do to get creative, but that's kind of, it's kind of overkill at the end of the day to have both of them on the roster, even for one season. If you have the DH, it's a little bit easier to swallow, but if you don't have the DH, it's really, really hard to justify having Real Muto and Darno on the same team. There, there, there's an efficiency thing, right? Like, and it's yeah. not, I mean, like, there's worse problems to have to be sure, but when you don't have a left fielder and third base is kind of, you know, with Austin Riley is a bit of a question. I mean, is this really where you want to be spending your resources? If you think that that's just the best bat you're going to be able to get, I mean, because you don't think you can get Ozuna or you don't want Ozuna for whatever reason, I mean, that, that, it's it's different. You know what I mean? Like, maybe, maybe there's some weird considerations, and I'm interested to see what those roster permutations would look like. I would agree with you that they'd probably have to trade away Darno. Um, and there's a few roster pieces, frankly, that there's going to have to be a certain amount of trimming that needs to happen. Well, if you're if you're the Yankees you can get away with having your second catcher make $8 million. But if you're the Braves with their payroll, just realistically, even if you want to just dominate a catcher, that's a lot of money for your backup catcher. It's just a lot. Even if Darno is worth that. Darno's worth that money. He's he, In a vacuum, he is worth $8 million this year or more. Absolutely. And especially this is especially true without the DH in place. By yep. the way, January 23rd, we have no idea if the DH is going to be in place. Ugh. And that is terrible. Yeah, like this is Robin. our uh, like eighth. Like, I think this is like eighth podcast in a row that we've done this rant, but it's it's still absolutely applicable. Like it's brutal, man. You know, it really is. It's terrible. I mean, look, we don't have any idea about health protocols. We don't even know when the season's going to start. They're not that like there's not even a, like we have heard nothing. 
about what the rules that are going to be in place. We don't know if they're going to keep all the, the rules from the rule changes from last year in place. If those things are settled, nothing. We just decided, you know, they're going to send guys to free to spring training and then hope for the best, you know, with all these guys on the free agent market and without the rules even in place for how to play the game. It's just, I, it's a joke. It's bad. Um, Oh, let's let's talk, a little, talk about this one more time. There's another angle to this that I've heard discussed, and I think it's reasonable to discuss it. But there's the like stick one of them in left field angle that I've heard, um, and it's it's more nuanced than that, I will say. But here's the thing about both Real Muto and Ar- and Darno, but especially about Real Muto, he's a good hitter, and this is something that I want to address. Like even if he was not a catcher, he's been a top fifty ish hitter in baseball. For the last three seasons. Like, even if you stuck him at first base, he would be an above average hitter. So I'm not saying this is only about him catching. But if if Riamuto was not a catcher, if he was just playing an outfield position, his bat would not look quite as good as it does. So if you're paying him 20 plus, we'll say 25-ish, probably million dollars, he needs to be catching for at least the beginning of that contract. Um, just because in left field... He might actually be all right. He's a pretty good athlete. He might be able to. Left field's pretty easy to play, all things considered. It might not be easy everywhere. And um, that arm might that arm might be interesting out there. I'm just yeah. He's got a big arm, and I'm not saying he couldn't do it. So don't get me wrong. I actually think that uh, this is this is a topic on on Twitter that I know you and I both talked about and replied to. Um, I think he actually might be better than Ozuna in left field if you gave him a little bit of time to learn how to do that. I was gonna say like I'm not right away. I don't because like you know no throw anyone out there and do. But also that isn't the baseline you want. Like, better than Ozuna is not, yeah. like, a huge win. Uh, so, all that to say, I personally, and I want to know what you think about this, too, I personally would not want to sign Real Muto to the deal that you have to give him and then not have him be your, your, your primary catcher. Like, yeah, could he play left field in, in a pitch or something? Sure. And DH is a little bit different, but you're paying the premium for him to catch. And I, I think that, I get that maybe you want to have Darno in the lineup as well, and there is the whole thing about maybe Real Muto is just the best bat you can get, like you like you just referenced. But at the end of the day, you're paying him that much money because he is a catcher that can also hit like that. I'll say this: I would rather play Mar- pay Marcelo Ozuna what it's going to cost to sign him and have him play left field versus pay Real Muto what it's going to have to. Oh yeah. Cost. You see what I'm saying? Like, I mean, like Ozuna is a better hitter. I, I think, honestly, if we're for left field, it's not like that's like or or the DH for that matter. Well, uh, yeah, here's, here's my I'm thing. Not... Here, answer me. This, answer me this, Eric. Ignore defense altogether. Yeah, bat only for the next three seasons. Who would you rather have, Ozuna or Real Muto? Ozuna. Me too. So if if so, it goes back to the same thing. If you're playing as to DH one of these guys. And I guess if it's Darn, I guess if, if I guess if you sign him and keep Darno, maybe you're going to have Darno uh, Darno DH some next year if you're allowed to have the DH spot. But guess what, Travis Darno is not like going to be an awesome DH. He he'll, he might be solid, but yeah. it's the same thing. Like he's a good hitter for a catcher, but a good hitting catcher is not going to be like a plus DH for you. He's not Marcelo Zuna at the plate. I know he, I know he was really good this last year, but baseline wise, like he's not that good at, at the plate, except for when he's catching. Yeah. I mean, hundred percent. And again, like you, the decision this has to be made one way or the other. Because if they're not having the DH in the NL, then like other decisions need to be made about what do you think is worth it for Marcel, you know, to have on your roster and all that. But if we're talking about like weird options, like the, like left field or DH or anything like that, I'm with you. Like I think that 
If you're signing Real Real Muto, you're signing him to be your primary catcher because it's your, that's what you're paying for. Yep. If not, you don't. You, there are better. There are far better uses of that money, and certainly more efficient uses in terms of what kind of stats you're looking for out of your lineup than doing that. It's just it's just true. Um, would it? Would it mean? Could you make lineups that would be better than they would now with Real Muto and Darno on your roster? Sure, but I just I, it's. <laughs> I mean, right now you're playing Ender Enciarte in left field every day, so. Hey, Nick Markakis is on the free agent market. Okay, just, I'm just you know. saying on your roster, and we'll come back to this later on when we talk about the roster a little bit later on in the podcast. But right now, your starting left fielder is Ender, like on the current signed roster. So congratulations to everyone on that. Just saying. Uh, uh, <laughs> did you hear Snicker talking about Ender? Uh, I did hear that. Yes. Yeah. Please, please share the, please share with, 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 with people. Yes. Like he was like glowing and effusive in his praise of Pache and what he did coming up. And then you thought the, he thought that the bat was a lot better than what he thought it was going to be, et cetera. And as soon as Ender's name came up, he's like, well, he's going to come into camp and compete for his spot. I don't know what else to say about it other than that. I, I mean, just, it's wow. honestly, it was one of those things where, you know, that's basically yeah. like, I was going to say <laughs> Snicker is a player's manager. Uh, everyone loves Snit. And that is kind of revealing. Like you said, like Snit didn't like crap on, on Ender. But the fact that he just kind of gave that uh, that that spiel tells you all you need to know about that situation. But regardless, um, I guess the last thing on Real Moto before we move on and take a break and talk about some other stuff, um, there's there's no real no real reporting on this beyond. Uh, and by the way, I do trust Robert Murray, who reported this the first time, is a good reporter. Um, I'm sure he heard that somewhere. I'm sure it's real reporting. But in terms of the Braves angle on this, the beat guys, like no one, you know, actually, I will say Bowman was actually pretty inviting about it. And what he wrote about it, like he was pretty open to it being real. Um, nothing like definitive. Dob was more dismissive, I will say, but he did note that a you know I, I thought it was kind of never leaks and all that stuff. So we'll see. The one thing that I want to just say out loud is that there's basically everyone agrees that Anthopolis likes Real Muto. Well, That's I mean, worth, he, worth pointing out. He'd be crazy not to like him, right? Like, well, yes, like, but but I mean, like actual like buzz about the fact that he seems to be high on real Mozu. Like everyone knows he's good, but the one thing that everyone from Atlanta guys to national guys has kind of said is that Anthopolis is, is thought to like real Mozu, like specifically. So I don't know. We'll see. It, is, it would not look the, the, the biggest thing we need to realize here is that Alex Anthopolis has not made a move like this in his entire career. Nope. Braves general manager. Not one. He made some, fairly high profile moves when he was with the blue Jays. I'm not, and you know, that that's a real thing, but you know, that's not his, his modus operandi as the Braves GM. I will say though, that going after real Muto has a lot of moving parts potentially for the Braves roster wise. And if he feels like he could line up trades with like maybe with catching prospects and or Darno to kind of like free up that spot and, you know, maybe, maybe moving in dirty move some money around too. Like if you need to do all those things, it would make sense that if he was to make that move, it would be a late in the off season move for him. Yeah. I mean, so, I don't know. This is, there's a whole angle about, okay, let's say this is not going to happen. I don't think, but let's say Sunday morning, the Braves announced that they have signed real Muto. And that's the, that's the move they announced tomorrow morning. Doesn't that like lessen your leverage on Darno? Like, if your plan was to trade Darno, I think you got to kind of figure that out a little bit before you actually like put like put pen to paper with Real Muto. Not that you not that you have to make the deal already, 
But if teams know that you kind of have to trade the guy, doesn't your leverage go down a little bit? Just naturally? Not, maybe not a ton. You can still trade him, but I don't know. It's kind of a weird alignment you have to do as a, as a front office there. I think the teams that are trading for a catcher in February have a certain amount of lost leverage already on their own end. Does that that's make prob- sense? That's, prob- that's probably true. But I, I mean, I think, especially in regular life, I would agree with you, but we've been talking about this for a long time. It's not like teams have done anything this winter so far. There's like five teams that have done stuff and everybody else has done nothing. So yeah, the Padres are basically eating up all <laughs> the Padres, the White Sox did some stuff like, but yeah, it's been, and now the Blue Jays are getting ramped up as we'll talk about in a second. But yeah, it's not like there's been this, you know, <laughs> crazy inertia, but yeah, I'm with you. I, I think that's a good point. It just sort of struck me as like, maybe you want to have some chatter about Darno, see what the market is a little bit before you sign Real Muto, but maybe you can't do that. Like realistically, you can't, you have to juggle multiple uh, things at the same time, but you maybe can't allow it that much. Oh, I, oh, I, I forgot to ask you this. Being our, being, being, being our prospect guy as you are, I have to just ask you this and then I'll save my response for a moment. Broadly speaking, Eric, would you consider the fact that the Braves have Contreras and Langoliers in the organization when considering whether to sign Real Muto. JT Real Muto is one of the best catchers in the league, so no one's stopping. No one... I can't think of a catcher, maybe Grandal, but even that's debatable. Like, if you want Real Muto, he's going to be an upgraded catcher regardless of who's there. It does change the urgency a little bit. And if you think he's the best guy for your organization, that's one question, but if you feel like you just don't have a catcher, like that, there is a different calculus there. If that makes any sense, like you just don't have anyone. Like right now, the Braves don't have a left fielder. Right now, Ender Inciarte. It is different upgrading Ender Inciarte in left field than, <laughs> than Travis Darno at catcher. Right now, oh, yeah. you both both make those both make the team better, but one of those situations still has Ender Inciarte hitting in the lineup every day, and that's it's just it's a very different thing versus having Darno doing doing it. So. It doesn't it, – because I like Langoliers. I like Contreras. I think Contreras is going to see time with Darno this year because, again, they're not going to run Darno. If for no other reason, Darno looked half dead in the last the last series, at the very least, of the playoffs. Like, you're going to have to give that guy a bit of a break and have someone else helping him. That's not Tyler Flowers because Flowers is, was basically washed by them too. Oh, so, that's – that's that. listen, listen, Eric. We will not have any Flowers slander on this podcast. That hey, I, look, look – I, what Tyler Flowers did for the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> what a preamble well, that's going to be. I'll tell you that right now. You, I'll tell you what, Brad. The next time I come on the podcast, I want you to watch like the last 80 at-bats that man took. No, it was really bad. I, I'm, I'm mostly kidding because we've we've been a pro-Flowers podcast. I, oh, I'm no. mostly kidding. Um, the playing stuff, <laughs> the, the, somehow being defensively useful despite having an arm that is only just above mine. You know, I mean, like he did a lot of real good, but he's just, you know, that's the problem with catchers. Like he's they, old. When they go yeah. older and when they drop off the table, they drop off fast. Just- oh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's that's the whole thing. I wanted to make sure we talked about the prospects just because I saw not a lot, but some reaction to the Real Muto stuff. Like, why would we do this when we have Langoliers? And it's like, listen, I'm not going to, you know more about Langoliers than I do. I don't think he's on the level of guy that you wouldn't sign JT Real Muto because of. That's yeah. my whole point, and that's how I am generally about prospects and outside of the absolute uber elite guys. But I just want to say it out loud, like I get that it's maybe a concern, and your point's a good one. Like this is something I want to stress: the Braves do not have a catching problem right now. So 
I think everyone knows that. But even if you just assume that they go to Contreras as a backup catcher this year and don't sign anybody else, if they roll into the season with Darno and Contreras or Darno and like random, you know, league minimum backup catcher, that's still a top 10 pairing in the league, probably. Yes. Assuming he's at least 80% of what he was last year. Which yeah, is, we, I mean, I mean, starting this, obviously there's some downside risk with Darno, but in general, the Braves have a pretty spotless record on catchers in the last decade plus. They've been really good at it. Um, and Darno, right now, with what we know right now today, Darno is at a bare minimum an above average starter at catcher. So yeah. they don't need to do this, which is what you've said and what I'm now saying with you. The thing is, you have to think, if you're a Thopolis to do this signing, you have to either think, A, I have a good deal that I can make for Darno to make the team better somewhere else. But more importantly, I have to think that Real Muto is the best player available probably and a guy who's going to like put us over the top. And that might, that, that, that might be true, but that, that's what you have to think. And, I, and, if you, and if they make that move and do that, like I respect the hell out of it. I yep. truly do. It is because it is a bold one to, to, to go after a guy like that. In given your other needs, um, I do wonder what they do at, at left field if that's what they're going to do, though. I do wonder a little bit about that. Oh, yeah. I mean, that the thing about this is that well, this is sort of a different podcast altogether, and maybe we'll do it later on. But if they do sign Real Muto and do not expressly trade Darno for a left fielder, you have to find left field pretty cheap, I would imagine, just based on what we know about the Braves' finances. Like, maybe your starting left fielder is Adam Duvall. Maybe maybe you can find him for the amount of money that you would have left, and that might be okay. But regardless, unless you, unless it's literally just a Darno for left fielder trade, you got to get kind of creative in left field if you sign Real Muto, which is okay. That's your one spot that you can go kind of, you know, bare bones with maybe. But you mentioned earlier, you're like, Riley's no given at third. Pache is no given offensively for a full season as a rookie. So... There are some questions to answer if they were to do this, but at, on the flip side, you would have maybe the best catcher in baseball, maybe the best first baseman in baseball, maybe the best second baseman in baseball, uh, and Ronald Acuna, all on the same team. Who might just be the best everything in baseball. And that's what or I mean. Like, I, I wasn't yeah. going to just say best outfielder because Mike Trout exists, but top yeah. top five outfielder uh, in baseball. So top three, maybe, if he's on the right day. So all that stuff, you'd be top heavy. To be sure, but uh, it'd be a lot of fun. So, I don't know. I'm I'm open to this. I'm not going to tell you on this podcast that my thought is that the Braves need to do this urgently, and that you know they got to. I'm I'm, I'm not going to beg on the table that they have to go sign Ramuto right now. I would not dismiss it in the way that some did. Like, oh, the Braves don't need a catcher. This doesn't make any sense. Like, I understand that reaction because Darno is good, but I think this is an intriguing thing. It's just that you have to look three steps beyond that and be like, all right, what's the plan if they do this? It's not a plug-and-play decision. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts, to be sure. All right, Eric. Well, that's a uh, almost a half hour on a uh, stray rumor in January, as yeah. we would on the podcast. Listen, nothing else has been happening. This is, this is, like, this is like gold for us right now. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is big time. Um, all right, we have some more to discuss quickly, but before we get to the rest of the podcast, a word from our sponsors. All right, Eric, let us discuss some other nuts and bolts that happened in the last week. Um, a couple of the bigger targets that were at least theoretical Braves targets, and I say theoretical in, uh, in, on purpose. George Springer is now off the market. He is in Toronto. That was the uh, the very theoretical, probably never real target. Um, but we'll 
talk about that in a second. And then Michael Brantley, which is a guy who we, who we talked about a ton in the last couple of years, is now back to Houston after a rumor, or at least they reported, that he was actually going to go to Toronto. And then that changed back to Houston. On the Springer front, before I let you weigh on this, uh, Dave O'Brien actually wrote that the Braves were, and I'm quoting here, actually in on Springer until the end. He did say that he didn't know how serious they were, but he was told by someone in the organization that there was several people that wanted him badly, but the length and or the overall guarantee of money on the contract were just too much for the Braves. End quote. Thoughts on that reporting? Now that doesn't really matter anymore, but thoughts anyway. Um, I'm curious then as to kind of how they were into the talks to the end, because I think that that, that amount of money, th- that makes it sound like they weren't really particularly close on the money, if that makes any sense. So like, he, got, how- he, got, he got a lot of money. To be fair yeah, to got, the Braves on this one, I think Springer got more than people thought he was going to get. Was it six for 150? Is that right? It was a lot, whatever it was. Uh, like may- maybe they're only willing to go four or five years or something like that. I don't think that the, uh, like the, like an AAV problem is what the Braves have. It's just that they just don't give out <laughs> like really other than Will Smith. They only give out, they don't give out deals longer than <laughs> one year, uh, maybe two. <laughs> yeah. Unless, unless you're like one of their prospects and it turns into like a crazy team friendly deal like Acuna and Albies. He'll give those deals out, no problem. But Well, as you should, that was a no-brainer. And just, just to reaffirm, it was six years and 150. So, yeah, it's possible the Braves wanted to give Springer like four for 100, which is the same AAV, but obviously those, those last two years are uh, very important. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a lot of money. Like, I, that's, I didn't fault them for not getting Springer at that dollar figure. You know, yeah. and that, like, I didn't, like, go, why aren't the Braves pulling the trigger on this? The Brantley situation was really weird. It wasn't just, like, one reporter that was saying that the deal was done. Like multiple people were like, you know, like we are confirming that this is going to, that there's a three year deal in place with the, with the blue Jays. Um, and there's all this like additional talk of, you know, him following Springer and all that. And all of a sudden like passing comes out of nowhere and says like, you know, I'm hearing that the deal's not done. Uh, and you know, that there's a few teams in the mix. And then like two hours later, it was a, a done deal back with Houston. So I, that was a strange situation. Um, I really like Michael Brantley. Um, I like him more if a DH is in place because, you know, again, defensively, he's a little bit uninspiring in left field. But for what, if you look at Brantley's numbers over the last few years, that guy can just flat out hit. He's so good. He's so good. Really? Like, I agree with you on the DH thing. Like, you don't want him in left field every day if you can help it. But so maybe that was the sticking point for the Braves. Maybe they, they they just didn't love him overall. But that's a very reasonable contract for what he has been. Like I know he's yep. a little bit older, but that guy can that guy can rake. Is like to and, your point, he's very good. And you know, contracts with teams in Texas when there's no when there's no income tax and stuff like those dollars are worth more there than they are in a lot of other states. So that's worth factoring into things. But my, I mean, he 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 is much better than I think he's given credit for. Agreed. Uh, and you know, obviously Houston losing Springer is a big blow for them, but um, you know them getting Brentley back. I mean, again, not per, not a perfect fit, you know, combined with not being able to play left field every day, or at least you don't necessarily want to, uh, and him being a lefty bat, maybe you don't, you want to be able to go left, right, left, right, you know, down the order like they had been. I don't um, care about that at all. I mean, yeah, I, 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 know, I know it's preferable to have the right-handed bat, but like, I've seen a lot of people talk about that. Like that was the reason. And it's like, come on. Yeah. That's not the reason I don't sign Michael Brantley. Right. It's no. like more like, it's more of an age and, you know, and again, maybe he just feels like, but I, I think that the Braves would probably be in on him for roughly that number. Um, but maybe just because he can get more, he he ends up pocketing more of that, you know, going where he goes. Well, and like, staying put too. He was already there. I mean, there's yeah. always, not always, but there's often an incumbent advantage 
on this sure. stuff. Guys like to be where they are if they're enjoying it, and he was there and uh, was playing well and all that. So yeah, I mean, if you had to beat that, I had no issue with the Braves not beating that contract. But if the Braves had signed Brantley for that deal, I would have I would have praised it. Let's just say that I would have liked that move. Yeah, I'm not sure if they were even in on that one. That one I, I'm not seeing any any reporting on. But um, overall, I'm not upset about Springer either. Like you said, I guess it's kind of encouraging that the Braves were in on him if they actually were. I, I tend to always have my guard up on that kind of stuff. But when Dob seemed, he seemed surprised to be writing what he was writing. If that makes sense, and the way that he was tweeting it, the way that he wrote it, it was like he was surprised that they actually were. But he believes it. If that makes sense, so. Uh, again, a little bit skeptical that when the final dollar and year figure was six years and a hundred dollars, that like at the end of the talks, the Braves were still at the table. I, just, yeah. I, I <laughs> uh, maybe maybe there maybe it was like a higher AAV but lower short, like lower contract, and you know Springer was weighing that. That's possible, but I, I don't think that the Braves were ever like in that five six year range. I just I I agree with you on that uh, in general. I I will be surprised when the Braves finally do a deal like that. I will be surprised. If it's not for Freeman, Freeman doesn't count. Um, Anybody else, I'll be surprised. Okay, uh, other semi-news. John Heyman, arch nemesis of the podcast, who I do not enjoy. But alas, John Heyman. um, He wrote or tweeted maybe that the Braves are at least perusing the closer market. That's the way that he put it. Not a huge surprise there. Obviously, the Braves have a pretty good bullpen already, but they are set to, at least right now, lose Melanson, lose Green, etc. So maybe they will sign someone else in the bullpen, as we've been discussing. And apparently they checked in, that was the wording from Heyman, on Liam Hendricks and Kirby Yates before they signed elsewhere. Um, maybe it's just Melanson or whatever, but I've been on this train for a while that the Braves need one more arm in the bullpen. I believe that. But uh, what would you make of that little uh, nugget from Heyman? I mean, I think if you're looking to sign a bullpen arm, you at least check in on the best arms to see if they're willing to take either like a one-year deal, which the Braves, I mean, I want everyone to find something that they love as much as AA loves giving one-year deals to people. So maybe he's just checking in on all these guys and that's what the reporting is. Yep. Um, and you want to you you see if you can get the best of the best if you can. Uh, what is, has Heyman done something that has pissed us off recently? I mean, I know he's uh, generally... No, I've gotten into it with Heyman a few times on Twitter uh, and he, he doesn't like me very much, which is fine. Uh, I got the... Uh, the almighty like blog boy thing for Heyman at one point. Uh, just like it says the former chief writer at fanrag.com. Okay. Well, right. It's, you know, he's, I, I just not, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan. He does break things on occasion. I'm not saying that he's like, he's not as bad as some others that we won't talk about. Um, Heyman does have some sources, but he has, he's not my favorite. Let's just say okay. alas, uh, that probably is real to some degree. The Braves <laughs> should be checking on relievers. I've long thought Melanson just makes too much sense to bring back. I think that's, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but man, like with him not having a huge market, like just bring back Melanson. Snit loves him. He's pretty solid. You don't, you don't have to use him as a closer all the time if you don't want to, but like give Melanson, you know, $8 million or whatever. And let's go. I don't know. Yeah. See, I don't know about giving him that much money. I guess 6 million, whatever it is, pick, pick, pick a number that makes sense to you. If it's one year, you can pay a little bit more. Maybe. I don't know. It's, it's fine. I'm not saying that's going to blow you away, but he's, he's still solid. He's not great, but he's a solid I have no problems. I, I wouldn't have any problems with them bringing Shane Green back either. But the problem is, I think Shane Green wants to get paid like a premier closer. And well, and Shane closer. Green, they 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 just stopped kind of they stopped kind of using Shane Green at the end of the season. Yeah. So I I feel like that maybe there's something there where they just don't love Shane Green. I don't know. I'm not reporting that, but if you look at the usage, we talked about it in the playoffs a lot. Like they just kind of treated Shane Green like like a like a guy, and I'm not sure what happened there, but they did at the end of the season. 
I mean, there was some, there were certainly some times where he kind of pitched like a, just a guy too. So True. like we first got to the Braves and then there was like a little stretch towards the end of the season where he wasn't great. I mean, in the playoffs, he pitched pretty well, uh, especially particularly against the Dodgers. He, he kind of like had, had a couple of decent moments. So I don't really, it, it's that's kind of, that's kind of, I agree. That's kind of a weird situation, but again, I feel like that there's options available to the Braves and I don't have any, I don't fault them at all for checking in on a lot of these kind of the, the premier arms just to see if they could get them on a market on a rate that they're happy with. But overall, you know, and somebody probably will sign. I mean, the thing is of how weird the market is this year, the Braves can probably get a guy that is too good to sign the contract that they're actually going to get him for. If that makes sense. Like they could probably get one of these guys, whether it be Melanson or somebody outside the organization to sign the one year, $5 million contract when they're actually worth more than that because of the Braves being a contending team, um, Atlanta's a market that's pretty desirable for some folks. Um, you know, all that stuff. Maybe this DI wants to hit a market next offseason. Like yep. And the Braves have had some pretty, some pretty good pretty good success with, with arms in the bullpen. Like, if you want to just kind of have your pillow contract, sign for a year and get back out there, all the guys that the Braves have been acquiring via trade or signings have done pretty well in Atlanta. Um, which is sometimes anecdotal, but it, it has happened. Like, you know, Martin pitched well in Atlanta when they got him. Melanson pitched well in Atlanta when they got him. Smith, not so much last year, but... I think he'll still be good moving forward. So there's a track record there that people might be drawn to in Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll see kind of how that ultimately plays out. I mean, I guess what's kind of wild to me is that we're, I mean, pitchers and catchers aren't that far from reporting. And we're a month away know. or so, maybe even less at this point. So yeah. crazy. It's kind of wild. You know, we're still, it's still, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered both about what the season is going to be and, you know, who's going to be on the roster. So we'll see how that goes, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, to that end about the roster, the Braves actually made two waiver claims over the weekend. Um, they picked up a pitcher and Victor, I believe it's Arano or Reno, Arano. I'm not sure how to say it. And then an outfielder and Kyle Garlic, um, both from the Phillies off waivers. The, and with those moves, the 40 man roster is now technically full which people were talking about like that matters a lot. And I don't think it really does because the 40 man roster also includes guys like Abraham Amante and Jack Mayfield. So they could move on from some guys if they needed to, if they needed to create some space and they probably will. There, there are a few people on the 40 man roster currently that would not be missed if they were no longer on it. Well, and I mean, and they're still on, they, they got, they got spots. My, my <laughs> only point without having to pick on anybody in, in particular, they have spots if they need them. So I wouldn't worry about too much about the 40 man roster. At any rate, um, Areno is a uh, more of a reliever type. He'll be 26. Actually has good numbers in the major leagues. Sub-3 ERA in 74 innings. But he had elbow surgery in 2019 and then missed last year with a shoulder issue. So that's obviously sort of a buy low on some talent. He has been pretty good, like I said. But obviously some injury questions there. Garlic will be 29 years old and has less than 100, 100 plate appearances in the majors. But he was with the Dodgers for a long time. So I don't know anything about either one of these guys, to be honest, other than their fan graphs page. So I'm not going to bring you any real analysis here. But with Garlic, I will just say this. Not being able to crack the Dodgers outfield is not an indictment that you're awful. They've been loaded the entire time. So I'm not saying he's going to be good. But the fact that he was with the Dodgers makes me think it's a little bit more interesting than it, if he was somewhere else, if that makes sense. He's still, he's, still, he's still 29 with no market, I would imagine. But maybe he could be your fifth outfielder. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, he could be an interesting bat for a, maybe a bench piece too. Like that's another potential option as your backup out as your backup outfielder, not maybe even as best as good as a fourth. Um, I am a little bit suspicious, being that while not, not being able to crack the Dodgers outfield 
is certainly not an indictment. Not being able to crack the Phillies outfield gets a little bit dicier because I think that they were they were certainly running some interesting names out there at times. So I wonder. Yeah, I, I feel like last year is like such an outlier that I don't want to pile on too much. But it's it's a good point. I mean, he was only there last year. He did play in twelve games. He didn't hit well in a small sample size. But he has good he has good minor league numbers. I mean, you know that stuff more than I do. But yeah, the, the number the numbers I worry a lot about with Dodgers, a lot, a lot of players, particularly the Dodgers, because they have guys who put up really good numbers and they trade them away and they end up not doing anything. I think that they know between the Texas League and the and the Pacific Coast League, those are two very hitter friendly leagues, and I think the Dodgers have some sort of witchcraft slash data-driven approach that they can tell which of all these guys who are performing well statistically, like where it's real and where it's like league driven, because it seems yeah. like whoever they, they trade away doesn't end up doing anything. And then the guys they keep end up, you know, obviously being really good. So I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit skeptical uh, being 29 already. Again, you worry that, you know, the, the his best years are behind him, but the guy could hit in the minor leagues. Uh, and Arano, I mean, that's a, that's just a, that's just a reliever arm. It's just one of those guys you bring in to test out in spring training and see if he has anything left. Uh, you know, coming off a pair of injuries like that, you wonder, you know, if the, is the velocity there, is the command there? And we just won't know that's up until he, they're actually throwing games in spring training. So overall, like, again, th- these moves are fine. But the people who are like, you know, like now the 40-man roster is full, they'll have to do so much to actually have to free up a spot for new additions. And that's just not the case. It's just not. The, the, like the, the Braves would, you know, have priority have a list of three guys that they're willing to drop immediately if they find pieces that they like better. So, yeah, no concerns there. But uh, again, no real insight for me on either one of these guys. But the numbers are interesting enough where they're not like just complete filler. There's a chance that one or both of these guys makes the team. I'm not going to tell you that, that, that that's likely, but they're at least major league potential mm-hmm. options that the Braves added. So, mm-hmm. it would have qualified as news uh, that we would have actually led if that happened a week ago. We would have led the podcast with that, just because it was the only thing that would, that would have happened. But this has been a busier week, so we buried it a little bit. But yeah, this is a two podcast week, in fact. It is two podcasts in two days. Um, all right, last thing, because I have you here, it's a good time to talk about this. We uh, two of the more major prospect lists came out this week that we talked about a little bit on TalkingChop.com in written form. Um, Baseball Americas and uh, shouts to Carlos Calaza, who we uh, dislike on this podcast, former co-host of the show. No, I'm kidding. Hello, Carlos, if you're listening, which you're probably not, but alas, hello. Uh, and then Baseball Prospectus came out. So I will let you compare and contrast these to our own list, but BA had three Braves in the top 100, which is a pretty modest number, but all three were in the top 32. It was Pache and Anderson in that order in the top 10, and then Drew Waters was number 32. And then BP had Anderson higher at number five, Pache at 18, Waters at 40, and then Kyle Miller and Shailen Galeers both in the top 100 as well. So, Eric, I have no thoughts, so please share any thoughts that you might have, because I know that was not the exact order that we had on our list. So, a few things. One, the people that were getting like mad about Christian Pache at seven and Ian Anderson at eight on BA's list fundamentally don't understand that like there, there is not much difference between two players right next to each other in a top 100 that multiple people have input it. Wait, why, why was that? Wait, wait, what was the, what was the issue? I'm, I'm actually were, asking. People thought I should have been flipped. I mean, okay. It's one spot. What are we talking about here? You know, yeah. They're saying like, Ian, you know, like, you know, Pache is way worse than the end, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm just like, there's really being. Well, one, one's I, a pitcher. 
that's the thing. Am I crazy? I mean, you know, I, you know, I am more of a, uh, I am more of a novice on this. Obviously, I'm not. A, I always admit this. I, I listen to you guys. I have a few opinions, but my, my outsider reaction here would be that, yes, Anderson has proven a lot more in the major leagues. He's going to be good, but one guy's a pitcher and the other guy's a position player, and that usually is a tiebreaker of some sort toward the position player. That's all I'm it, saying. People have very strong feelings about how prospect lists work. And I think that they people will take them away from being just a, like a fun thought exercise and take it to like this is the way it's going to be forever. And blood, feud, blood feuds on the internet. It, it is a big. It, people care a lot about it. Uh, I have personally gotten heated about prospect lists, but that's when they've been really, really bad, and I end up getting fights with national writers on. Shouts to Ryan Witter. Uh, yeah, God. I was actually talking to someone about that whole thing the other day. So I will say this: anyone taking particular umbrage with any list this particular preseason needs to settle down because there was no minor league baseball played last year. We're all kind of flying blind based on like some sourcing about from instructional sites and guys that did make their major league debuts. But beyond that, we don't have much to go from because there's a big difference between what happened last year versus what we normally see in terms of developmental progression from guys. So for example, on our list, we're taking a bit of a, we're taking a bit of a risk. We're a bit of a risk in ranking Michael O'Hara's fifth, right? We know that. Um, we're, we're just I, yeah, I mean, I don't know anything about this stuff, but when I read, and I had no inside info, when I read that, my eyebrows raised. Not that I was doubting you guys, but I, I knew that was at least uh, a bit of a step out from what I was expecting. Correct. And we, we, we know that. We, we know we're reaching a bit with him, right? But we are also fully cognizant of the fact that everything is going to probably be very different after the first month of the season for the, of the minor leagues, because there's just so much has changed. A lot of the guys that we are, that were kind of like borderline in the teens, you know, did they end up making that step forward over two years or are they now taking a step back and they're now old enough to the point where we're wondering if they're ever going to figure it out. There's a lot of those types of guys. And in Harris's case, we really, we really liked the skill set. you know, getting a full year of, a lot of coaching and we heard some good things about what he was doing down at the instructional site. And we just, we like the overall package and kind of what he can be that we like him that much to put him that high. Um, but that said, generally speaking, the f the five players that BP has are generally the five guys are going to be in, in top 100 consideration. But I do think Contreras deserves to be in that sort of consideration beyond that though, just like anyone getting bent out of shape about what, where these guys are being ranked is just, we're, we're all flying blind and we're all having to figure out exactly what this is going to look like and what these guys are going to look like after a year of just not playing regular minor league baseball. You know, we, we, there's things to think about like, well, on the one hand, a lot, there's less mileage on some of these arms. So maybe guys that we would normally not, maybe not like as much, or maybe would look a little bit more tired are going to look really fresh and more healed up come 2021. Um, how much coaching are these hitters getting and how what kind of competition were they seeing? versus what they're going to see at whatever their appropriate level is in 2021. These are things we do not know. Like, like there's nothing for us to base this off of in the past, right? So yeah. so if you're going to take a little bit some risks, or then I can understand that. If you're wanting to be super safe and basically like, look, these are where our rankings were last year. We're just going to kind of roughly go with that, you know, account for some graduations, plug in some draft guys, and just, you know, play it as it lies, and we'll just kind of re-rank everybody at midseason. I get that too. And that's you're going to see a lot of philosophical differences in how lists are coming out, but that's going to be okay because at the end of the day, these are only thought exercises for starters. And two, 
the information is particularly bad. Um, I, now, I will say that what you should do is the the post that went up on Talking Shop about the A's list. Carlos actually came into the comments and was answering people's questions about that. God and bless Carlos. Legend. I, 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 I was trolling Carlos really bad earlier on, on, uh, yesterday on Twitter, but I, I love that dude. And, you know, if you want some explanations to kind of where they put guys and kind of some, some thoughts about where, like, Langleyers and Muller kind of factor into their thoughts, you should definitely read that because that kind of gives you some insight into what they're hearing and seeing. Um, and, again, all these lists have a lot of different hands and sets of eyes on them. So don't get too bent out of shape of, like, nitpicky ranking stuff because, honestly, a lot of these guys are really close. It's more to think of it in tiers. And if you think about it that way, you'll be a lot happier. Yeah, that's that's what I do in general, and other than just listening to you guys, just kind of be open minded about this stuff. Because I'll just say, even you know, just I, this is not the same thing, but I do some NBA draft work and prospect stuff in general. Uh, it's just less uh, sure than everyone believes that they have to be on all of this stuff. Um, and the first step is knowing that uh, if you're trying to be someone that's evaluating this stuff, either professionally or even amateur level, is that you're not gonna, you're just gonna be wrong. A lot. a lot it's just it's just what happens and it, if, as soon as you start understanding that uh, it's a lot easier to figure out like there's more variance than everyone thinks there is just on everybody i mean with very rare exceptions and this is my this kind of informs my whole approach honestly to being the guy who's willing to trade prospects uh, more than most are at least in braves country is that look man i just don't trust prospects and that's that's kind of what i am it's it's, it's a tiebreaker there is a level <laughs> of prospect that's different and recently, that guy was Ronald Acuna, who I was like, all right, everyone says this guy is as good as he's supposed to be. Don't trade that guy. But everyone that's like on the level below that or below, I'm not saying you trade them all, but I, if I can get a star, I'm going to trade those guys just in general. So that's just kind of the way I think about it. People disagree. You're more of a prospect guy, and that's what you do. So uh, I, will put it, I will put it this way. Look at baseball. Baseball America is the, the top 100 that I have the most respect for, just because I know how much work those guys do, how much minor league baseball those guys are watching, and how much thought they put into their lists. I don't always agree with their lists, but I always respect the process. Go look at the top 25 from the last five years of the of the top 100 prospects list they put out. Look at the top 25 and figure out how many of those guys are even remotely decent baseball players. <laughs> I mean, like, it, it's kind of sad. Like, if you really think about it that way, I mean, they've they've had some guys who, like, they were really high on and just it just didn't happen. And because the major leagues eats up, it, the the smart bet is to bet against prospects. If you're just purely statistical, the smart bet is that the that guys aren't going to work out, because, especially beyond the like absolute uber elite guys. Because yeah. those guys don't bust as often, obviously, because that's why they're up there. Like, you're wonder, like now it's Wonder Franco, right? Is the guy everyone thinks is that guy. Um, yep. or, or one of the guys anyway. And those guys bust obviously a lot less. They still bust on occasion, but there's a level. And I guess Pache is the most recent example with the Braves. Like the question is, which level is he on? Is he on that incredible level of where Acuna was, where he's just like, cannot move this guy under any circumstances, or is he the next level down? And I, I, I defer to you on that stuff, but it's always interesting to me. Well, I, I, I feel safe in saying that Christian Pache is not on the same level as Ronald Acuna as a prospect. Well, you know, you know uh, what I mean, though. Like, well, even it's just, I mean, just the tier and the safety, and whether you trade that guy under any circumstances, because the Braves were never trading Ronald Acuna. It was never happening. They were not trading him for any reasonable. Thing. Teams were asking about Ronald Acuna, and like again, this is when I, I was getting mad when Ronnie was in the lower minors, and we were getting made fun of for how high we were ranking him. And I'm like, you don't understand. Teams are asking about trading for him when he was in rookie ball. 
that never happens. They're never like, hey, can, can we get that guy? That like because again, rookie ball is not indicative, but they he was so good, just and everyone kind of could see that he could be special. That he was being targeted before he ever saw a full season. And I don't think that's the case with Pache, right? Like, and, that, and this is coming from someone who loves Pache. Sure. Just, you know, I mean, like, if, if there are trades where I would trade away Christian Pache, it's, you know, the, but you don't trade away for, like, a reliever. You know what I mean? Like, you, like you had, it had to be for a real thing. A real thing. Yeah, th- that's what I mean, too. I'm not trying to give anybody away in general, but, like, Riley's a recent yeah. example, too, where I was always kind of like, guys, you, if they if a, if a deal comes along and you got to trade someone like Riley, you just do it. And he might burn you, and that's fine. There's always risk. But it's just... Uh, I would have traded Austin Riley in those JT Real Muto rumors. Like, Austin Riley would have been gone. Well, that was one of those things that we talked about at the time. Like, look, he was not their number one prospect, but he was in their top five. And it's like, all right, this is a guy that people are going to ask about. They're going to want in a trade. And people and Braves fans were split. And And I totally get it. Like, it's just philosophical on some level. With a lot of these prospects and how you feel about them and what you're what you're what you're willing to include and obviously you want your team to get a better deal than is going to happen probably so that's how you end up with lots of low ball offers that you want to have happen but if you try to be realistic you know the trade, take, the trade deals the trade proposals I was seeing for the last year of Francisco Lindor that involved Ender and Ciarte's contract made me fall on the floor laughing. I saw one. I saw one without without naming who it was. Uh, I saw one that was for uh, Ramirez for the Indians, who's uh, like yeah, an, an, an uber elite player as well, like a top 10, yep. 15 guy in the league on a good contract. And it was like headlined by Langoliers. And I'm like, that's not going to get it done, man. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, I saw that one too. I know. What anyway, you're talking about. regardless, Eric, I want to at least get that. I mean, I usually just let prospect stuff go to road to Atlanta and I know you guys will have more content coming and by the way if you've not read the prospect list it's time to do that you're long overdue read the work that Eric and everybody did on those lists I'll say that they're always fantastic because they are um but I wanted to catch up a little bit with you I, oh, I usually so- try to let that let that stuff go to you guys at road to Atlanta because I have no idea what I'm talking about but you're I, here I, so I like talking all, all things baseball with you Brad and more importantly I just haven't um I'm, for those who aren't aware, my wife tested positive for COVID. Uh, she's sick. She's okay, but she's sick. And, you know, that with the quarantine stuff and, you know, that and I had to go out of town unexpectedly too. It kind of was, been, it's been a little weird the last week and a half, but uh, the road to Atlanta retrospective on that list is still happening. Just have to kind of get my stuff in order on this end. It's coming. So subscribe to this podcast. Um, and if you do, you will get that road to Atlanta podcast every other one on the same feed so it's two for the price of one which is actually zero dollars all that we ask is uh positive reviews if you like to leave those if you like the podcast on apple especially five stars nice comments all that stuff subscribe tell your friends and then support the written content at talkingchop.com eric and chris willis and scott and i write ever so occasionally at this point but ivan and everybody that does great work on the site support them as well Click, click around listen read comment all that stuff so thank you for all of your support everyone eric thank you my friend if you have anything else to say please say it and if not we'll get out of here go blue <laughs> go blue indeed just jesse franklin who was underranked on road to atlanta <laughs> and the prospect list we'll, we'll come back to that later on we'll do a whole, a whole special edition on jesse franklin but uh no, thank you eric for joining me and uh, i have no idea when we'll be back again on the podcast if there's a uh, a move we will come back to address it I know it's sort of a weird Saturday night podcast, but tomorrow is both the NFL championship games and the Hawks play. So I needed to record Saturday night. So Eric jumped in with me, but we'll be back pretty soon. So stay tuned, subscribe, and we'll see you next time.